Sunday, brothers and sisters in Christ. How are all of you doing? How are all of you holding up? I know that this past few months hasn't been easy for many of us. This pandemic has been ravaging our country worse than ever before. And we know that many of you have been affected tremendously. I hope that we can continue to uphold each other in prayer and support one another in Christian love during this very difficult time. And as a church, we encourage everyone to keep the faith by fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our salvation, our Lord Jesus Christ. This was also the exhortation of the author of Hebrews, which I am glad to announce is going to be the new series we'll be journeying through together for the next few weeks. I believe that Hebrews is such a timely book for us to study because just as we are going through our worst suffering in this pandemic, the occasion of the book was addressed was to address the suffering of the first century Christians who were facing persecutions. Some of us just learned this from our very own Dr. Amanda Tan during our level up class on the book of Hebrews that was just concluded recently. And many from the things that I learned there, I was able to put in my message today. I just wanted to plug that in to encourage all of you also to, in, to join our level up classes which we will be announcing later on. Now, the problem when people are suffering is that many are tempted to abandon their whole belief system out of desperation, and some even for self-preservation. And that is, why, that is why the main trust of the book of Hebrews is perseverance. The author of Hebrews is challenging his readers to persevere. Persevere in the faith, Persevere in Christ. And that's why the author of Hebrews dedicated a whole chapter on a list of man and woman of faith through, throughout the Old Testament. Then he concluded it by saying that we should run the same race with endurance by fixing our eyes on Jesus, a verse which probably many of you are familiar with. But as much as we are all familiar with this beautiful verse, not many of us are familiar with the sufferings that comes to all who follow Christ. Some believers don't know about it. Many false teachers deny it. But the scriptures are definitely clear about it. Jesus warns his disciples about it. The apostle Paul and Peter taught about it. The early church experienced it. And many have abandoned the faith because of it even until today. And that is why the author of Hebrews wrote about it as well. Now, let's talk about the author of Hebrews for a short while because the book of Hebrews is one of the most intriguing books in the New Testament because of its authorship. Well, to be more precise, the lack of authorship. There's no consensus among Christians, churches, and Bible scholars who the author of Hebrew is. Some believers, some believe it's the Apostle Paul, but there are a lot of evidences that against that theory that Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. So it would be better for us to leave it as that, that the Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, there's an unknown author. 
But from the composition of the book, we can say that the author is definitely a Jewish Christian because of his impressive understanding and grasp of Jewish scripture, which is the Old Testament. He was probably a former teacher of the law, and his intended recipients were probably mostly Jewish Christians as well, who would understand what he was talking about. But even though it is a mystery from us who the author is, the book of Hebrews is very clear and leaves no mystery who the book is all about. The book of Hebrews is about Jesus Christ. From the very beginning of the book, the author explains to us who Jesus is and what He has done. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's open our Bibles together to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, and read it together. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. May God bless the reading of his word. The author of Hebrews refers to Jesus as the Son of God. As he tells us of his nature, he is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of God's nature. Meaning, using the sun as an analogy, if God is the sun, then Jesus is the sunlight. And how do we know about the sun? By its light, right? And using a stamp as an example, the, sun, the stamp that kids play or we use in the office, when you put ink on it, then the stamp will protect its exact image, uh, will, will print it, its exact image on a paper. That is who Jesus is. He's the exact representation of God. He's the God who we can see. Hebrew also tells us about the Son's role in creation. He's the agent of creation, meaning God made all creation through His Son. He's also the sustainer of creation, meaning that we not only began to exist because of Him, but we also continue to exist because of Him. We are here today because of Jesus. And Jesus is also the owner of creation. He's the heir of all things, meaning we exist for Him. And finally, He is also the mediator of creation. Mediator, a mediator between cre- the Creator and us, the creation, by purifying our sins. And all this important information about Jesus, the author gave to us, is to emphasize that Jesus is the last and ultimate messenger of God, being God himself. Through Jesus, God sends us himself. In the past, God sent angels and prophets as his representatives to the people. But today, in these last days, God sent himself through his Son. And that is why my title for today is The Last Messenger. Jesus is the last messenger. And you know, 
This made me think why maybe the author of Hebrews really wanted to keep himself anonymous. Maybe, just maybe, so that his readers will not confuse him to be God's last messenger because he knows that Jesus is God's last and only messenger. There is no point turning back to angels and prophets because God's salvation plan has moved past all of those. And in the midst of suffering, where the believers are being tempted to abandon their faith, to go back to their Jewish practices, the author of Hebrews is telling them that there is no point turning back to the things of the past, be it angels, prophets, priests, the temple, or even the Mosaic law, because Jesus, God's Son, is already here. He wants to teach them and us today that there is no point turning back because with Jesus, we are in the right track. There is no point turning back because with Jesus, we are in the right track. Now we have gone through the introduction of Hebrews, which basically tells us the gist of the whole book. Now let us continue to look at the first two chapters as we learn how Jesus, the last messenger, is superior to God's previous messengers, which are the angels. Who is superior? After the introduction, the author continues the rest of the first chapter to contrast Jesus from the angels. The reason he does this is because, as I have mentioned earlier, the suffering that the first century Christians were facing are causing them to go back to their Jewish laws and practices, which God revealed to their ancestors mostly through angels, as Jewish tradition teaches them. We see this teaching mentioned by Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 53. He says, You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. That is why the author sets out to argue the superiority of Jesus over the angels, through which God gave the Mosaic law, by quoting different verses from the Old Testament. First, by pointing out Jesus' unique title as God's Son. In verse 5, he says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. You see, angels were never considered as children of God. They are merely God's servants and messengers. They don't have authority of their own, but the Son has authority over them. In fact, angels worship and serve the Son. In verse 6 to 7, it says, And again, He brings the firstborn into the world. He, let, he says, Let all God's angels worship Him. Of the angel, He says, He makes His angels winds and His ministers a flame of fire. The Old Testament calls angels as ministers. Minister meaning to serve. Now let me ask you, who is more superior? The one who worships or the one who is worshipped? The one who is serving or the one who is being served? Of course, the one who is worshipped and served. Jesus, the Son of God, is the one who is worshipped, even by angels and the angels serve him. Therefore, we know 
that Jesus is superior to angels. Then the author continues this contrast by quoting more verses from the Old Testament. Now, contrasting the eternal nature of the Son and the temporal nature of the angels. In Hebrews 10 verse 12, it says, And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. You see, angels, like all of us, are created beings. And just as all created beings are temporary, angels are also temporary, unlike the Son of God, who is not part of creation, but instead He is the agent of creation, who was there from the very beginning. Therefore, the Son of God is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Now let me ask again, who is more superior, the temporal or the eternal? Of course, the eternal. Therefore, Jesus is superior. He is the Son of God. Knowing then that Jesus is superior to angels, to whom should we submit? Of course, to the one who is superior, which is Jesus. You know, my son admires his big sister a lot. Everything she does, he follows. He likes watching the videos his Atsi watches. Many times he follows what his Atsi tells her, to, tells her to do, even the things I specifically told him not to. And when I scold him about it, he always answers, but Atsi told me to do it, or because Atsi is doing it too. And so I always ask him, why? Who is your dad ba? Is it me or Atsi? You know, this was the same problem of the early Christians who are tempted to go back to Judaism to avoid persecution and escape suffering. By doing so, they are submitting themselves to inferior beings, which are the angels, rather than the one who is superior and has the authority, which is Jesus. And the same could be true for some of us today. Many, if not all of us, before we became believers, used to trust in worldly things like money, our careers, our idols, or even in our own selves. And when we come to know Christ, we learn to put our faith and our trust in Him. But when the pressures in life comes in, like financial problem, health complication, career challenges, many times we revert back to trusting these material things rather than in God. We put our trust in our work and in our businesses rather than in God, forgetting that it is Him who gave us all of these things in the first place. Brothers and sisters, just like angels are inferior to Jesus, everything else in our world are inferior to Him as well. When you are already in Christ, don't go back submitting yourself to these inferior things. Instead, submit yourselves to Jesus, who is superior over everything in this world. Remember that there is no point turning back because with Jesus, we are in the right track. And how do we know this? 
because he is the Son of God and he is superior over angels and everything else in this world. There's no point turning back because with Jesus, we are in the right track. Now, after emphasizing the superiority of Jesus over angels by pointing out that he is the Son of God, the author then continues to emphasize Jesus' superiority by pointing out his title as the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of Man. Here, the author highlights the humanity of Jesus. Now, you might be wondering, how does emphasizing the humanity of Jesus points to his superiority? Aren't human beings weaker than angels? You know, many people think that since angels are heavenly beings and therefore more powerful than humans, that they are more superior and are more valuable to God than human beings. In fact, many people, even Christians, think that when a person dies, they are then promoted to angels. But let me tell you this, this is simply not true. It is not biblical, nor should it be something to be desired because human beings are more valuable to God than angels. God made us human beings, both man and woman, into His likeness. And He gave human beings authority over all creation. In fact, Hebrews tells us angels serve the children of God. In verse 14 of chapter 1, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Who are the ones who are to inherit salvation? It is us, the human beings. And angels are sent as ministering spirits to us. So, why do you want to be demoted to angel if you are already a child of God? But I can understand how we fall to this misunderstanding that being an angel is better than being human. It is because of our fallenness. It is our sin that makes us unworthy to even consider ourselves better than angels, let alone to be a child of God. We have definitely disqualified ourselves of that high honor. But there's one human being who hasn't, and that is Jesus, the Son of Man. True that when Jesus walked this earth, he emptied himself of his God powers and privileges and took on himself the weakness of humanity. But this was only temporary. The author of Hebrews quoted and interpreted Psalm 8, the one that Pastor Wiljo uh, spoke about a few weeks ago to explain this. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, it says, Now it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower, little, for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, for what purpose was this temporary weakness given to Jesus? The next two chapter, uh, the next two verses explained it in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. 
But we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that He, for whom all, from whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering." You see, Jesus, the Son of Man, who became like us, but without sin, lived a perfectly pleasing life to God so that He might die for our sins and give us eternal life and bestow on us the right to become children of God once again, the right that we have lost because of our sins, something that angels are not able nor qualified to do. So, as both Son of God and Son of Man, He's not only the ultimate representative of God to man, He's also the perfect representative of humanity to God. Jesus is the best of humanity. He is the best of us. And because of this, we are empowered to follow His example. In Hebrews 2 verse 18, it says, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And so as the Salmon of Man suffered and persevered, we now then have someone we can follow even in the midst of our own suffering. And Jesus is the Son of Man. It is he who will have dominion over all creation and not angels. And those who trust in him will rule with him as children of God and not angels. Jesus is superior to angels for He is the Son of Man. So knowing all these, we must, strive for righteousness. we must not strive for righteousness through the law that is given by the angels, but instead by looking to Jesus as our example. So let me ask again, who is superior? Angels who are merely servants of man? Or Jesus, the Son of Man? Of course, it's Jesus. His suffering and temptation qualifies Him to be our great high priest who is able to represent us before God. Who then should we follow? Through this, the author of Hebrews reminds his reader once again that there's no point turning back because with Jesus, we are on the right track. Even in our suffering, we only need to look at the one who suffered like us, yet prevailed. In times of trials and temptation, we only need to look at the one who was tempted and tried and yet victorious. There's no need to go back to the old way because Jesus already made the way. Therefore, let us submit to His authority because He is the Son of God and follow His example because He is the Son of Man. He is the best of humanity. He is the best of us all. Therefore, let us follow His example. Now that we understand what the author of Hebrews wants to teach us about Jesus, that He is the Son of God and that He is the Son of Man, superior to angels, let's find out what was His purpose for explaining all this. And it is found in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. It says, Therefore, 
we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience receive a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and with it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. The, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews warns his readers about the danger of adhering to the message of the angels while ignoring the message of our Lord Jesus. But please make no mistake, he did not reject the message of the angels. He deemed it to be reliable. It is reliable. It is the message about just retributions for our sins and disobedience. But he's telling us that it is not complete. It warns us of the penalty of our sins, but it does not provide a solution to our sin. That is why, uh, that is what Apostle Paul taught us about the law. He says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. The purpose of the law is to show us the error of our ways and tell us that we are in need of salvation. And the message of salvation comes from Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel. And so in Romans 3 verse 21 to 22, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested, manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believes. The author of Hebrews emphasizes the superiority of Jesus over angels to encourage his readers to hold on to their faith in Jesus rather than going back to Judaism and the Mosaic law. Going back to Judaism may avert their temporal suffering caused by persecution, but it will not rescue them from the eternal suffering caused by their sin. The answer to their suffering is to fix their eyes on Jesus, who also faced suffering, yet endured it until the end, and so receiving glory and honor from His Father. And the good news is that for those who remain in Him in spite of the suffering, will also inherit the same glory and honor from God. Brothers and sisters, let me ask you a very important question. How is this pandemic affecting your walk with Jesus Christ? Is it causing you to lose your faith in Him? Is it pulling you farther away from Him? Is it causing you to turn back to your old life, a life of sin and destruction, a life of relying on your own self and trusting on the temporal things of this earth? Brothers and sisters, don't let this pandemic cause you to turn your back from Jesus. The solution to our present temporal suffering is to fix our eyes on Jesus, remembering that He also suffered for our sake, and yet He did not give up. He was also tempted like us, and yet He did not sin. And in the end, 
he was victorious. And in his victory, we are also victorious. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can conquer persecutions, our suffering, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let me remind all of us that this pandemic and all of our present suffering are only temporary. They too will pass. So there is no point turning back because with Jesus, we are already in the right track. As the song goes, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. UECP, even in the midst of this pandemic, of this suffering, let's run the race with endurance and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks for your timely message in the book of Hebrews. That Lord, in the midst of suffering, we can find hope in you. We can persevere in our faith because Jesus persevered for us. He suffered. He gave his body on the cross so that we might live. Lord, indeed, that is the greatest suffering of all, yet our Lord Jesus endured it for us to save us from our sins and to be our example. Therefore, Lord, as we face our sufferings, help us, Lord, not to turn our back away from Jesus, but instead fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us to submit to him, to trust in the righteousness he bestows upon us, Lord, and to make him our example and our inspiration as we go through the challenges and the suffering of life, knowing that he suffered so that we might find victory in this life. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And Lord, we leave all of the things behind us and help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on him. In his name we pray. Amen and amen.